2: And let's go. We're off and running here once again on Six Rings and Football Things, brought to you by, of course, Macy's Hertz Rental Cars, the Golden Nugget Hotel. You're with Nick Fitzy Stevens and Andy Jumbo Hart once again. Let's go. <laughs> That's right, everybody. Six Rings and Football Things. We got the crew back together again, ladies and gentlemen. It is the latest and greatest edition of Six Rings brought to you by not Macy's and not Hertz rental cars, of course, dot com, Odyssey and 2400 sports. I'm back from a couple days in Florida. I was able to retrieve and still not yet sell, but one day soon, that full jar of sand from Tom Brady's retirement beach that will make me autonomously wealthy. One day I'll be, I'll just be living on my own boat in z Andy, doing the Six Rings podcast. Won't you be jealous? And of course, Andy Hart held down the fort last week. Excellent job with Paul Perillo uh, of Perillo Vacations and Tours. Of course, last week on the Reaction Tom Brady podcast. But now we're moving on to more people talking about Tom Brady's retirement. We'll get to the podcast heard around the football world. The hottest topic in Super Bowl Fifty Seven week is not uh, if Nick Sirianni would let somebody date his five-year-old daughter. It is, of course, the Let's Go podcast with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. What a guest for Tom Brady's first Hooray for Me retirement podcast. Uh, We'll have a little potpourri as well, but we begin today, Andy. More coaching news. The New England Patriots continue to approach their offseason, the 2023 season, and football operations on the whole like adults, like professionals, like people that care about their football team. They have hired another experienced coach. To tackle a personnel group. This time, of course, former New England Patriot offensive lineman, former Pittsburgh Steelers assistant offensive line coach, and former Oregon, now former Oregon Ducks offensive line coach and run game coordinator, Adrian Clem, Clem, K-L-E-M-M, Clem. To it says so far be offensive assistant, but I think we both know it's going to be the new offensive line coach. Um, it's it's hardly time once again to fire up the duck boats, Andy. But how are you feeling about the fact that the Patriots continue to bring in people who know what they're doing to do what they do?
3: Yeah, I'm going to stay positive um, because there's some reasons to critique the Clem hire. And we can get into those a little bit later um, Mm -hmm. from afar, sort of secondhand reasons. But just the reality that you took a guy that played offensive line in the NFL, played offensive Mm -hmm. line in the NFL for Dante Scarnecchia, has coached Mm -hmm. in the NFL, has coached in the college, college, is at this point an expert in offensive line play. That doesn't mean he's going to be perfect. That doesn't mean he's the be all end all answer to penalties or anything else, but he is qualified and prepared for this job and being paid handsomely, which I don't think is a, is a nothing burger. You know, I know over the years, there's been a lot of talk of like how they fill out their staff and oh, if if somebody else is going to pay them, they're perfect for the Patriots to be assistant coaches. Nope. This is a guy that Reportedly made over a million dollars at Oregon, was on the mm-hmm. books for I want to say eight fifty or eight seventy-five in salary. And you know how college football works. You end up making other money in other areas. So
2: You can't even get a two bedroomer in Dartmouth for that these days.
3: That's true. Um, and the reports were that he was getting a raise to come to New England. So you're paying over a million dollars for your offensive line coach. And good. I like that. I again, I don't know if that means it'll work. I don't know if that means they're gonna have the best offensive line in football or we're gonna get back to Skarnekia days where you lose three guys and you go, nah, don't worry about it. Clem will figure it out. It never falls apart with Clem on the watch. That kind of I don't know. But I like the, as you said, the approach, the valuing of people with experience and and going down a more traditional road than a year ago, than when you said, Yeah, oh, we'll just have Matt Patricia do everything because you know, good coach is a good coach. Nope. This is a much better model, in my opinion.
2: I'd heard people at our very radio station saying the Patriots deserve no accolades. The Patriots deserve no back padding. There should be no celebrating over the hire of Adrian Clem or any proper or experienced lineman as coach, etc. Because this is what you're supposed to do. Okay, fine. Was that Adam Jones? Yeah, that was Adam Jones. sounded very Adam Jones-esque. It sounded very, (laughs) once again, it sounded very Adam Jones. I said people, I didn't want to name names. I've yet to even meet the man in person. Uh, I'm I'm sure it'll happen soon. The actual Batman fan meeting the dark Knight, who has now risen to afternoons. That being said, be that as it may, as someone who is a frequent guest of our Sunday talk show extravaganza on WEI likes to say, I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm happy for it too. And I'm thrilled to hear you positive because it has ridden us of the anxiety of Belichick, either going the frugal or inexpensive discount route, and or the Friends of Belichick route. Now, granted, he has a relationship with Clem because he coached him a long time ago. Obviously, he respects his talents enough to have interviewed him for offensive coordinator and now bring him in to coach the offensive line. I just This goes back to my tiered plan for Patriots offseason success. Bring in more people who have previously done the job you're asking them to do. Is there a chance Adrian Clem, halfway through the season, is going to have to abandon post, Captain. Abandon post. Because he's got a more important job, like offensive play caller, that's calling his attentions away. Not And neither of his duties is he particularly good at. I doubt it. How Bill O'Brien and Adrian Clem get along, we'll see. I'm ima- I'm imagining, Andy, that they probably either have some sort of relationship or have met and got along well enough to all dis- all try to figure out a way to rise, raise the tides and move the ship forward. That's all we wanted to do. We just want to all try to get the boat going in this direction. And his numbers are pretty good at Oregon. Granted, it's a Pac-12 school, but they had a low sack rate last year. They ran the ball well. Maybe, just maybe, someone who's familiar with some of the different schemes the Patriots want to employ will actually be able to teach up the line. Bottom line, though, they're still going to need more talent this season.
3: Oh, yeah, this is not, you know, the be-all, end-all. They're taking steps in the right direction, I think. The, the O'Brien hire was the one we all fixated on. Like, that was the must. You must have a yeah. competent offensive coordinator. Now, as he fills out his staff or they fill out the staff, and I'm not sure exactly how that's going. I don't know if that was, this is a Bill O'Brien hire or if this is a Bill Belichick hire or if this is a blending of the two hire, Bill Belichick and Bill O'Brien. But um, we should note, and I listened to Greg Bedard talk about this. Uh-oh. and. Y- yes you should uh-oh um <laughs> greg bedard is obviously I've been told inside the building everyone's miserable well no this, he was told inside a different building he has connections mm-hmm. in pittsburgh um, of course. and that it didn't end well with clem there that i believe his final season there they found out he was talking to some colleges and they basically just said well if you're going to talk just go and kind of kicked him out before the season even ended his final he year. left
2: 2021 with two games to go
3: correct but he didn't leave. I think he was asked to leave or told to leave because of how he was sort of handling it. And I know there was some, um, unhappiness with the offensive line during his tenure. I'm not going to presume or assume that, you know, he's a guy always looking for the next job or he's not capable of doing his job. Um, but that's just, you know, a piece of information to kind of put in your, uh, the back of your bonnet and just, you know, leave there until maybe it becomes relevant information moving forward. Um, And we should also say, you know, giveth and taketh kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You get Adrian Clem. Nick Cayley has moved on to become the tight ends coach, a lateral move with Sean Mm -hmm. McVay's uh, L.A. Rams. So now he's going to see actually how that offense is supposed to be run. He saw how it was not supposed to be run last Uh summer when they were trying to implement some of that. Now he's going to go get an inside view of it. And I would also argue for him, great decision. There's no faster career path to NFL advancement than being on Sean McVay's staff. That's just the reality. Uh, of modern football, modern NFL hiring, so good for Nick Cayley. and Will Lying. I probably should have mm-hmm. made sure Will
2: lying. lying. Yes, uh, yeah, brought in now is like name
3: to say Lying.
2: What lying. was he? Uh, his position lying. prior Dude, to joining Yeah, lying. it's just like just there are a lot of uh, Pat Friermuth, Will yeah. lying. uh They they all sound like names you say at like point two five speed on your podcast player. Will Lying comes in. He worked in Alabama the last two years as an, an, like his position was analyst. Yep. Yep. I'm not exactly sure what that means. He has previously coached tight ends. Yep. Bill O'Brien has familiarity with him. Obviously they've worked together. So from multiple, from NFL stops and from the college ranks, this is obviously a sign that Bill O'Brien is being given assistant coach hire autonomy, which is great. My way or the highway. It's not maybe that didactic, that direct or that dire to go triple D there but this means that he's able to bring in his people to work with Bill Belichick and run their system together, which is a great sign. So you don't have much lag or a layover from Nick Cayley leaving to Will Long stepping in. And poor Nick Cayley was left with the task of trying to figure out what to do with Matt Patricia's offense and the the waterlogged corpse of John Smith. We'll see what Will Long and Bill O'Brien can get out of him. But I want to point this out, Andy. I saw this tweet last night whilst uh, accompanying our pal Rich Keefe on his evening program. And I thought this one would uh, strike a chord with you. There was the Albert Breer tweet on Sunday breaking the news that Nick Cayley was leaving to make the lateral move going from New England, where he was not going to get the coordinator job, to the Rams and how that you know spices up his LinkedIn page and will likely get him some other work someday soon if he's successful. Henry McKenna quote tweeted it. Of course, he does an excellent job for Fox. Used to do work for Patriots Wire USA Today. A Patriots TE coach defecting after struggling to advance in the organization. Where have I seen this before? Brian Dayball. Hmm. How about that? Do you think there's any chance that Nick Haley leaves, flourishes outside of the system where he wasn't able to advance beyond the initial position he was hired to coach? And then one day becomes, I won't say offensive wonderkind, kind, uh, but perhaps maybe a uh, hot coaching uh, name du jour.
3: Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm a fan of Nick Cayley. You know, I think Nick Cayley should have gotten the job last spring. Then I think he should have gotten the job in December when the wheels fell off. I think he should have gotten the job at some point uh, mm-hmm. and he did not. So I I like what I've talked to him about. I like his experiences here. Um I love hearing Dante Scarnecchia praise him, a guy that I really trust and respect his opinions. Um, I know people will um, extrapolate from the tight end performances in recent years of Henry and John o. Smith and try to blame that on Nick Cayley. I'm not sure that's fair or accurate, but Hunter Henry is certainly a proponent of Nick Cayley. Uh, I, I think he is a bright young coach, and good things generally happen when you go coach for Sean McVay. And I also will say, he's going to have a pretty unique resume. Eight, nine years under Bill Belichick and then a period of time under Sean McVay. You can't have any more of an old legendary coach on your resume and a new highfalutin modern coach on your resume. Like That's the best of both worlds. Tell me he does two years with Kyle Shanahan and then he'll have the perfect resume in terms of coaching, in my opinion. So, um, Right, right. It would not stun me if he is is successful. Now, I don't necessarily tie it into Brian Dable. Um, Dable's situation was a little different. He left with a fellow Patriots um, assistant who took a head coaching job and then really buffed up his resume with experiences all, uh, around. Um, but yeah, I think Nick Cayley has a chance to be successful. Uh, I'm rooting for it. I like him. I think he's a good guy. I think he kind of got porked over the last year in new England and I don't really definitely got screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the offshoot of this I'd also want to bring into play here Mm -hmm. and I don't know if this is coincidental or by design. Um, you know that I one of the reasons I think they tried to streamline the offense was to bring in some more um, principles and and things that would uh, appeal and work with younger players, make it easier to get players in the system, uh, make it easier to bring acclimate college players into the system. Not the now same
2: I'm- old Bill Belichick like. The stuff that Daniel Jeremiah moved the sticks unearthed from 30 years ago. Like this is a tight end. Here's how you run the ball. The art of the forward pass.
3: Like Belichick's system,
2: it's been the same for 30-some-odd, 40 years.
3: And it's nothing or hasn't been enough like some college things, in my opinion. Now you're bringing in college offensive coordinator, college tight ends coach, college offensive line coach, run game coordinator. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's a continuation of this. Not that they're going like, college offense all spread they do no, not, not going to look like Baylor no yeah but or TCU I don't think it's coincidental that you're bringing in guys with college experience that might help um, mold the Patriots offense toward the future with a with a twist of of college built in because I do think Bill O'Brien is going to have plenty of old Patriots in his offense mm-hmm. I think that's inherent mm-hmm. in who he is he's done it for mm-hmm. a long time and I think that'll be there but you know, we talk so much about him blending in Alabama stuff with Mac and sort of their shared experience there. Now it's even more so when you bring in Will Law and you bring in Adrian Clem, college offense, college mindset and scheme blended into the Patriot way of the last 20 years. And as you would say, to steal a phrase from Fitzy, I'm here for it. I knew it. I knew it. I even lip synced it with you. Hey, to your Nick
2: Haley point real quick, the biggest winner in that entire exchange aside from Nick Cayley, who now may get a chance to have a bigger say in the room or more of a voice, which is difficult to have when you're in the Belichick coaching stratum, if you will, could be Sean McVay because now not only does he bring in a coach that has worked with Bill Belichick for just under a decade so he can pick the mind of the GOAT coach or the legendary Bill Belichick, also a little bit of Skarnecchia sauce is going to get poured on the Rams as well, which I'm sure Sean McVay is... Over the moon to integrate into his system.
3: Well, I think it's funny because we're talking about from a Patriots perspective, from a Nick Cayley perspective, like he's gonna go there, he's gonna learn from McVeigh, he's gonna get the McVeigh shine on his resume. I could envision he arrives and the questions are coming at him instead of from him. And McVeigh's like, How did you do this in New England? How'd you do this in New England? What did Bill do this? What did Don and and somewhere Nick's like, hey, um, excuse me, I came here to learn, not to teach. Yeah. <laughs> like, when do you tell me the secrets?
2: exactly uh so it's a win-win for all parties and it will be a bittersweet uh or or bitter pill to swallow potentially for pats fans or those of us who get a little wonky inside the numbers to watch him go somewhere else and flourish and say it
3: it, he was here the whole time what's the big Why i'll laugh my ass off what i mean he's a head coach if if in four years he's the best head coach to come from o'brien patricia judge whatever if we're looking at him as like coach of the year candidate. Wow, he's injected life into whatever offense he's now coaching. Oh no, He's the
2: offensive coordinator. Oh, Kellen Moore's calling plays at the Chargers now, but like there could be a place next year or in two years where he's calling plays and it's like I gotta tell you, Andy, the offense is directed by Nick Cayley. says he used to be a tight ends coach with the Patriots. Well, man, uh, who stuck him with John Smith? He must have lost a bet somewhere along the line. Anyway, this offense is dynamite. That's gonna suck for us because We'll look at 2022 and Rich Keefe was telling me last night, he's like, I don't care how good Adrian Clem may or may not be. I don't care what kind of offense Bill O'Brien's able to orchestrate. He's still having such a hard time getting over the decisions that they made to bring us that, you know, beached whale of an offense in 2022. I'm over it. I'm just celebrating the now I'm excited about every potential move. And I like your theory, your, your working hypothesis, if you will, that, Belichick is trying to, while still holding on to the pillars, the tenants, if you will, of what made for Belichick football, the New England Patriots and his core principles slowly evolving, like without evolution, what are we? But, you know, creatures with two thumbs and Wi-Fi change is good. Sometimes evolution is necessary to try to either stay atop the food chain or get back from whence you came. So you bring in the right people who can help you slowly evolve and morph the program. Now we go about getting the talent. And we will do lots of time talking about the talent, be a free agency, the people we retain in-house, the draft, and so much more. Over the next several weeks, you're not going to want to miss a single episode of Six Rings and Football Things as we break it all down and tell you what you need to know, who needs to walk through that door, and so much more. Give us a follow at Six Rings Pod, at Fitzy GFY, and of course, Jumbo Heart.
3: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
0: Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
2: All right, Andy, now moving on with Six Rings and Football Things. It's the podcast No One Expected With the guest list that rocked them all during Super Bowl week, Tom Brady's first podcast after his retirement on the beach, calling it a career for the second time. Bill Belichick, a surprise guest on Let's Go with Jim Gray and Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, Did anyone know that was going to happen? Like that just seemed to like in the middle of Monday night, just like, wham. I, I know the podcast is first released on Sirius XM and then it's available wherever six rings and football things and other awesome podcasts are found. That caught me completely off guard. Like I had no prior notification that Bill Belichick was not only going to show up, but speak at length, uh, and speak so glowingly, obviously he's not going to show up in the podcast and be like, Hey Brady. And another thing, F you, you are overrated. It was me over you. Like he spoke out against that. He just gave Tom Brady the ultimate hall of fame speech, the ultimate tongue bath. And here's something interesting. I was listening to the podcast Tuesday morning on speaker on my phone. And my wife was overhearing it as we were shipping the kids out the door, and I was getting ready to record with you. And she said, "Wow, Bill Belichick sounds so youthful here." She said, "Bill Belichick really sounds like energetic, like he's he's energized talking about like how much he enjoyed working with Brady and just that difference between like Friday, Bill Belichick, and you know, yeah, uh, day by day, hour by hour, versus just like Bill Belichick football geek. Like it was really like refreshing to hear once again."
3: Yeah, this was um, – I've always pushed back that Bill has this great personality behind the scenes, but he does have personality. He does have a more um, youthful, flowing tone to him, and that that's mm-hmm. what this was, just like it mm-hmm. was with the 100 Greatest Players or these various times. Anyone who's oh, ever done production yeah. meetings with him, sometimes you get that version. Hell, he even did the um, swear, and then he laughed and said, hey, somebody gave me the green light, so I took it, and he swore. because <laughs> the, I've always said – the The Belichick behind the scenes is an absolute potty mouth. He uses swears once a sentence, and I've always thought it was miraculous in twenty plus years of of press conferences, he's never slipped. He's in, in, in as far as I know, he's never slipped and swore in a press conference. and that's how you know you're getting the more relaxed Belichick than the guy who isn't the face for the press conference, the guy who's just kind of talking. Mm-hmm. So he swore a little bit in this. I thought it was good. Um, yeah, I didn't know it was coming until I saw a tweet about it or something. And then I listened to it. Um, you know, I thought, I didn't think there was a ton that was really new with Bill. Also, Bill, maybe get a little bit better Wi-Fi. So you don't break up when you're telling your money story <laughs> of your hit. Um,
2: there's zero percent chance. Anytime Linda gets the postcards like, Hey, uh, Bill, uh, looks like for just 1999 a month more, we can have multiple users on the same stream. Well, are you still able to watch Netflix? Well, yeah, it's just that you can. All right, but well, now I'm not paying for that. He refuses to upgrade his Fios.
3: Come on, Absolutely. Bill, drop the extra 20. Um, So it was, it was good. I thought the biggest takeaway from me is a lot of it we've heard before, you know, like players win games and coaches lose them. And that's my job is to just make sure you don't lose it and put the player. There was a lot of that crap we've heard before. The most interesting thing I took away is He sees everything he said of Tom Brady and talked about how early on he realized when he comes off and he gave this long winded, you know, the tackle flashed and then the linebacker slipped and the safety was a step deeper than I thought he was going to be. And then the corner took the outside. He said eight
2: things. He said Brady would say eight things that went wrong during a play. Like, holy shit.
3: Bill said, I would go back and everything happened in the exact order, sequence and timing that Tom said it. And I realized he sees everything. And then he also altered his coaching style because he would be teaching Tom something and Tom would say I can't see that I'm not paying attention to that or that's not in my vantage point and Bill would say well then I'm not going to coach it because if he can't see it no quarterback on the earth is ever going to see it so it's wasted time coaching mm-hmm. somebody to think about that I thought that was really really interesting because Bill as much as people credit Bill as being the greatest coach ever he does this all the time where he credits Tom Brady or Randy Moss or Ty Law or these guys of teaching him from the position of a player's perspective about something that he then takes and can use coaching other more normal players, lesser talents. Um, so I thought that was good. Um, what Minor little thing that jumped out at me mm-hmm. is he included Logan Mankins as a goat, essentially, because he was talking about something and he said, you know, the Tom Brady's, the Ty Law's. The Rob Gronkowski's, the Logan Mankins, and I was like, "Oh, interesting, interesting that he includes Logan Mankins in what is essentially a Hall of Fame list." So he clearly thinks Logan Mankins a Hall of Fame guard who doesn't get enough respect from you people, you frauds. Oh, who say there's he our never first won. you people. Yes, yes he three. does.
2: And as a matter of fact, Andy, I was going to do an, I was going to do an emergency side thread in the middle of segment two of this fabulous edition of Six Rings and Football Things. New England Patriot during the Brady Belichick era, most deserving of a ring who doesn't have one. Logan. Is what it, is it Welker Moss or Mankins? Oh, see.
3: Welker. or What do you Man- mean?
2: Bleep Moss bleep. You
3: also makes me sound racist. Screw Moss. It's either Welker or Mankins. <laughs>
2: no okay. one thought that, but now that you put it out there, I guess so. <laughs>
3: um, yeah. And Moss is the best of the, the three in terms of talent, like pure talent playmaker and his I, ceiling, I, like the highest of highs. Yes. I loved Logan Mankins for his professionalism, teamwork. I'm I'm biased personally. Also sure. the fact that he never missed anything, practice reps, game reps, played through an he ACL. The whole played thing
2: played a season where he had to play guard and tackle on a torn ACL.
3: But I also Wes Welker, I believe, is a dumber human being today for what he invested in his time as a Patriot. The absolute hits he took and he put his life on the line. He put his future on the line and the durability of that guy, not just the statistics. I can see those. Oh, ProFootballReference.com shows me all the 100-yard 100-catch seasons. He,
2: he was a machine though,
3: Andy. There's a I always go back to one series where he caught the first down play for like 6 yards. A safety absolutely lit him up like you wouldn't believe to where he had to go to the sideline. They got nothing on second down, so now it's third and 3 and Wes Welker jogs on the field to run a little under pattern that gets you five yards and a first down. He gets lit up again, and you're like, I shouldn't be enjoying this. I shouldn't be cheering this. I'm watching a man put his life on the. And I know we all make fun of the, what was it, kazoo or whatever helmet late in his career right. and the various things that went on. You, um, Flintstone,
2: look at the size of Welker's helmet in Denver.
3: It It is an interesting question, though, with, when you pose it with those three guys, because mm-hmm. um, the easy answer is all of them. They all should have. I, oh, I love all of for them sure. in different ways. Um, so they
2: should all be in the Patriots hall of fame as well.
3: Patriots hall of fame. And you can argue pro football hall of fame. Now the Welker one is a little lesser to me, but if you're going to argue close though, pretty close slot receiver to a new level, he redefined the position. Absolutely. Literally
2: changed a position on the football field in his time. And this is the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick interview port. We're going to have to, now I've realized that by just throwing, just chumming the waters there, we're going to have to probably do an entirely, different side pod and we'll have to solicit opinions from the uh, six rings listenership and our respective
3: social media feeds as well. But just like uh, the uh, let's go podcast, we can have people just pop in like all of a sudden, like, Oh, there's Paul Perillo. Paul, what do you, Hey, Mike Giardi, what do you think? (laughs)
2: Yeah. I don't know if we can have Giardi again. That, that beer box bill is getting pretty expensive. The number of times he's helped us out. He's cranky Um, lately.
3: Very cranky.
2: Ah, well, it's the end of the season. These things happen. You have to understand he's logged a lot of, a lot of time in Buffalo and Cincinnati and Kansas city. will do that to a man. Uh, I want to get back to the Belichick and Brady conversation real quick. Another part that I thoroughly enjoyed, and this should be something, you know, You, I always appreciate when somebody is a self-starter. I don't need somebody to come in and take over a room and decide that they're the boss. It's, you know, I know how to do things. But when you have a system in place, Andy, like when you have structure and you know who the overall boss or owner is, and then you've got like a manager, that's Bill Belichick. And then you bring in somebody like Tom Brady. There's a previously established quarterback in Drew Bledsoe, and Tom Brady needs to come in and earn his stripes and make a name and a way for himself. You know, told Robert Kraft, I'm the best decision this organization ever made, et cetera. Belichick talking about how Brady in 2000 came in and just started running practices himself, basically, yep. and demanded, I think Belichick said it was, of the 22 either rookies or first-year players making them stay late and do extra practices together. Like kids, anyone listening right now that wants to, you know, you know, make your varsity high school team or get a clip featured on the internet or make a profession out of whatever it is, especially that you're doing, whether it's athletics or you're in marketing or you're in entertainment, greatness doesn't happen by accident. It's not. And in this whole podcast, this conversation, in addition to giving us a little bit of closure and debunking the oldest Most tired narrative in Boston, if not New England, in all sports. Brady and Belichick don't like each other. Brady and Belichick will never be friends again. Like, yeah, they were. They 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 pissed each other off a million times, and it was a tired. Brady tried
3: to whitewash that. That was the one part I didn't like. Is yeah, I mean, no, he doesn't because he always wants to be like. It's all the media's fault, and they built us up, and then they realized they had to write other stuff. So I blame them. He tries to pretend that they never had a problem. We'll get that. They had problems. Come on, they had had problems. Problems. Significant problems. Hey, need I need need I mention T B twelve and Alex Guerrero, something that was actually in the NFL media landscape yesterday because Sean Mm -hmm. Payton said no, 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 no. Russell Wilson's not going to have his own guys in our building. Our building will be our guys. This is something
2: players. I'm unfamiliar with, but no, that's not going to happen. Like, right.
3: oh, Sean Payton, you, I, I I hate the Broncos, but man, I respect the shit out of you for that. Right. But Brady would like to pretend that whole era in New England never happened. But he and keeps
2: and... doing that. He keeps doing that. the, the, the It's the- called lying. yeah I know like but you we can
3: uh, because he whitewashes everything
2: because he wants everything to seem like his face in his thirst trap Brady brand underwear photo he wants everything to look perfect
3: it's not Tom like what's that he had a face I noticed he was covering his dong with his hand
2: yeah I know but look at his face Rich Keefe and I spent 10 minutes last night going over the fact he either looks like uh someone in the metaverse or like a character that was cut out of Grand Theft Auto um it, it doesn't look like him at all it's so photoshopped it's so worked over that it's a borderline unrecognizable. And that's how Brady tries to do everything. Botox, the perfect teeth, all the, all the stuff that he does.
3: Big hair fillers. Yeah. In his cheeks, oh
2: my God. All. 900 different hair jobs, except everything. There isn't a, someone who advertises on W E I who Brady <laughs> hasn't probably patronized at, at one point, but more to the point of, yeah, there were warts and there were bumps and there were issues and bruises along the way in their relationship. The whole entire narrative that just got so many exhausted miles and just beaten to death in the media of like, they don't like each other that Belichick drove them away. They'll never you know, come back together. I'm not saying Brady's going to sign that one day deal to wrap his career as a Patriot, but them coming together for a love fest like that does kind of fly in the face of some exhausted narratives, which I'm glad we can now just officially be done with. It's just a part. It's just a chapter in the entire history of the two of them together. And for someone who just loves football and loves Competitive sports in general. It's just great to hear greatness discussing greatness, like the greatest coach and the greatest quarterback of all time, just talking about how they made a double dynastic run together like that. Like it's a friggin' blast to listen to.
3: It is. I just wish it were a little more honest because guess what? The truth is okay. The truth Mm -hmm. is great. The truth is admirable. The truth shall set you free. I was hoping you could get through without saying that. I couldn't. Uh, Nope. But it also reminds me a little bit of the Belichick Parcells relationship, which went through a rocky, di- you know, divorce, and then mm-hmm. they came back together, and they realized, you know, the great times were the great times, and we can be adults, and you know, those different things. I just that would be the one thing that it left me wanting. Listening to this it was just a little more truthfulness. Not a this almost felt like somebody died, and you know how when people die, like everything's perfect. The person that died was the greatest. They didn't have any mm-hmm. warts. They didn't have any. it's okay to admit we're all flawed. We all make mistakes along the way, but you can still be a good person, a great coach, a great player, whatever great teammate, even while acknowledging some of the negatives or some of the bumps in the road to gut you to where you are today.
2: Well, something didn't necessarily die, but something came to an end and that was Tom Brady's NFL playing career. So maybe in part. Yeah, I know there's
3: still some, you just never know. And he, even he just wait until they never, He said, I don't want people listening to this. And, you know, oh, maybe Brady left the door. Like, no, not. But he also said, I'm happy right now with my decision. And he he just said, you just don't know. So Mm -hmm. do I think he's coming back? Absolutely not. Do I say it's 0.0% chance? Absolutely not. I I don't know how you could after that. Because he talked about wanting to throw the ball. Like he's still going to go out and throw it. And that's perfection for him is just throwing the football. Okay. So, you know. That's how it starts. You go out in the backyard and you throw a few passes to your son and you're like, damn, I still got it. And and that that 49ers team needs a quarterback. I wonder uh-huh. if we'll I see duck, how duck, Brock duck.
2: Purdy does. Uh, Trey Lance, where Jimmy Garoppolo ends up. Joe Montana wants Garoppolo to be the starting quarterback on the 49ers in 2023. Not likely to happen. We heard from Tom Brady Sr. on the hashtag greenie podcast coming up. Get up on ESPN. And he said that I think he, he thought his son, was tired of getting hit and that maybe Brady was the quickest to release the ball of all 32 teams or all 32 quarterbacks in 2022 because he just didn't want to get hit anymore. He didn't take that many sacks last year. Like he just reached the, of course he can still spin it. You saw that pass to Julio Jones against the Cowboys, but there comes a point where the diminishing returns kick in and you start realizing, hey, I might be cutting my days short. For what again? And I, I can't right. always win the Super Bowl as much as I want to, as hard as I'll work. Like, yeah, I, I, well, some of his final thoughts, uh, Dove Kleiman had these captured in a tweet. Um, I think there's just a decision to know it's the right time. So I think for me, it's more of just it's going to end at some point, And I think now's the time. And it's not that I can't do it. It's not that I wouldn't want to do it. It's not that I wouldn't be excited to play. I love playing football. I've loved playing since I was a kid on the street on Portola Drive. I just think it's a decision that it's time to do other things.
3: Hmm. And the, the thing that I will take away most be shirtless on the internet, this, uh, yeah. And pantless too. Uh, this, uh, (laughs) this, this podcast was not the, um, whitewash discussion between him and Bill. Um, not even the funny (laughs) interjection of Gronk just showing up when Bill's leaving and that whole transition from Gronk to Peyton Manning and some, uh, that was the most fun part of the podcast when, for sure. And, you know, Brady even brought up Peyton losing the Pro Bowl to Eli. Now, you know how it feels to lose to Eli in a big Ah, game and that whole thing. ah, Um, Buddy Burns. I always love those. I thought the best part of the podcast was Brady's parents. And uh, maybe this struck me because it's a much grander level of what I think of. And I, I know I've joked about this with you, like to my wife, You know, what are we going to do when uh, our kids aren't doing like high school sports and youth sports? And like we go to every game and our schedules are built around when do they have games and we can't take a family vacation if they're going to miss time in sports. And that is what struck me because they got to live like I enjoy going to my son's high school football games. Mm -hmm. They got to live it on the grandest level. Like, they got to go to every... Like, they were cocky. I enjoyed the cockiness, too. Like, midseason, we'd be watching the NFC to see which teams we might play in the Super Bowl that year. Hell, yeah, and they deserved it. I love it. I love that.
2: 27 years, University of Michigan right into the Patriots with a stop in Tampa Bay along the way. Almost
3: three decades of greatness on the football field. And all I could envision from my perspective was I would love to go back, and I don't know if there's footage of this, I'm assuming they went to most, if not all, Michigan games as well. Mm -hmm. I would love to see Tom Brady Sr. when Drew Henson is jogging on the field. Because as Bill put it, Bill talked about this. Tom's senior year was, Tom starts, it's going pretty well. Drew Henson comes in, it doesn't go as well. Tom comes back in and has to win the game for Michigan, and they won most of their games. I would love to see Tom Brady Sr.'s reaction during those Michigan games when Drew Benson's oh. coming. Oh, you know he wanted to come well, down. I'm he coming to down. Film those with. Like you
2: would have had to have brought like a VHS camera over the shoulder,
3: like, hey dad,
2: look, <laughs> Tom's coming Lloyd in.
3: Car, He he know he wanted to just absolutely beat the living you know what out of Lloyd Carr. So I actually really enjoyed um Mr. and Mrs. Brady talking about Tom and the career and the ride they yeah. went on. And the that's the most genuine thing of the podcast is the love they have for their son. And mm-hmm. That, to me, that was pretty, even as a Brady hater or whatever you want to call me, no, that stop. was pretty freaking you're cool. great.
2: You're just, you're, you're a critic. And once again, you're a truth teller. People always, uh, you're not a troll. You're not Mr. Negative. You just see things the way you see them. Other people choose to see them the way they do. That's the beauty of opinion and perspective. We all have them just like taxes, blank Nipple. holes and neighbors. Exactly. Uh, and we have one more fabulous segment coming up here in the six rings and football things podcast. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, share all that jazz. I hope you guys love listening to us, argue, bicker, analyze, and discuss the same way Tom Brady's parents loved watching their brilliant son play football for
1: three decades. eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love.
2: all right, here we are. Yep, the old potpourri, the old Pat's puri, the old Vegas casino buffet of leftovers, tidbits, and everything else in Pat's Nation. Uh, Andy, I'd like to start with a quick little game called Either Or. You get Hallie to... Berry. Pardon? No, oh, no, no. no, no
3: it's not Would You Rather.
2: It's, no. uh, okay, now we all know that that's out there. All right, now I know what kind of cake to get you for your birthday. Uh, I'd like to play a little game of either or I'm going to give you two options. You tell me which one you would prefer amongst the two. Uh, one that we have bandied about. Uh, now, of course, there's been a little life breathed back into it as well. Of course, last week there was the report, if you will, that T Higgins could possibly be had this off season If he and the Cincinnati Bengals can't come to an agreement, we imagine that would likely cost the New England Patriots a first round draft pick if they were to try to acquire him. Plus, likely an A.J. Brown or Debo Samuel-esque $25 million per year kind of contract. And now, uh, the cold water that was thrown on the DeAndre Hopkins to the Patriots fire, it wasn't even really smoke, it was just like some warm embers, if you will, by Bill O'Brien coming in, has uh, uh, been revived a little bit. There was a news report from a former Texans coach saying, don't rule it out, it's not entirely a done deal. So, Either or would you rather have T Higgins costing you a first round draft pick and 25 million a season or DeAndre Hopkins, six years older, probably only cost you a third round draft pick and you get him for two years, $34 million total T Higgins.
3: I'm all in on T Higgins. I'm all in on taking the Patriots offense to the next level. And we've seen across the NFL for multiple years. Now you take an offense to the next level with an elite budding star receiver. Uh, I, I, I am all in on that. Now, the the thing I would try to pull the wool over the uh, mm-hmm. Bengals' eyes, is there any way I can keep the 14th pick and trade you my pick next year in the first round of the NFL draft? Because mm-hmm. that would be perfect. Uh, I'm guessing Paul Brown and company. I mean, uh, Mike Brown and company, not that dumb. Um, maybe you can get Paul Brown to do it. If he signs off on it from the <laughs> grave, then you can <laughs> – it's, it's binding. Um, see, I thought you were going to go a different direction here. I thought you were going to ask me two veteran receivers, but um, oh, I've
2: got another. Oh, I've got another. I've, oh, this isn't the first of many okay. either so Yeah,
3: T. Higgins, I'm all in on T. Higgins. Swing for the proverbial Super Bowl fences with a deal for T. Higgins.
2: How about Trent Brown and a third round pick for T. Higgins? Why would the Bengals do that? All right, I was just asking. They're stupid trying to rid rid the Patriots of potentially well well, I mean maybe Trent Brown will actually throw in John Smith too (laughs) I've got this I've got this bright shiny Isaiah win over here actually no we don't uh uh, okay um I would rather go DeAndre Hopkins as I've said before because I still think he can be highly productive he'll cost you a lot less and I want to use I don't expect the Patriots to have a pick within the top 20 anytime soon or for the foreseeable future so i would like them that's what i'm just saying i want them to make the most of that 14th overall pick it's a lot to give up even if t higgins does come in and have a steph diggs like effect on the offense and mac jones so i'm going to go dehop in that one all right here's the Ooh. other veteran receiver you thought i was going to go with i know it's super unsexy but sometimes unsexy wins football games or get you back to relevant and or the postseason andrew
3: no, you just took a Belichickian approach. What'd you say? It'll cost you a lot less. You know what else cost you a lot less? What? Joe Judge and Matt Patricia last offseason. But in the end, it cost you much more.
2: Dun, I want dun, nothing dun. to do with either. Stupid Joe Judge getting paid by the Giants. Uh, okay, here we go. Either or. News came down yesterday that the Los San Diego Chargers, the Los San Diego Chargers, Uh, may have to part ways with both tight end Gerald Everett and wide receiver, veteran wide receiver. You know, he's not a deep threat. He's not just a possession receiver. He's not really a slot receiver. He's just a very good receiver. Keenan Allen, who will be 31 years old this upcoming 2023 NFL season. His cap hit is $14.25 million. So Andy Hart, either or, would you rather have Keenan Allen on a, let's say... Three year, $45 million deal, or would you rather have Jacoby Myers, five years younger, on a four year, $50 million deal? Jacoby Myers. Thank you. Thank
1: you.
3: I think Jacoby Myers is a, a key signing. I've said this to you. I don't really care what the contract is. I don't think you'll ever regret having Jacoby Myers on your team. Nope. I think he's a poor man's Keenan Allen. Gets open, catches the football, productive. Thank you. Has a relationship with Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. A leader in the locker room as you mm-hmm. transition from the slater McCordy era, where I think you might need some uh, upstanding citizens who are willing to go to the podium and talk for the team, talk for themselves, talk through tough situations and losses. Um, Jacoby Myers is a win-win signing for me. Let me ask you a question. Let me flip the mm. script. Let Ooh. me flip the script. Let's okay. just say they go down the veteran wide receiver route this offseason, regardless right. of what else they do.
2: Via either trade or free agency, because there could be some other big names to hit the market. A lot of teams sure. are way, 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 way over the
3: cap. Would you rather have Keenan Allen or DeAndre Hopkins?
2: Oh, DeAndre Hopkins in a heartbeat. Same. Same. I think DeAndre
3: Hopkins, we know DeAndre Hopkins um, keeps himself in shape as he hates. Yes. Yes. He He takes his, uh, you know, you're going to, hey, youngsters,
2: you got to train, you got to say your prayers, you got to eat your vitamins.
3: Good vitamins.
2: Good good
3: vitamins. vitamins. (laughs) I Um, always like to
2: get my vitamins from my dealer. I mean, the store.
3: Well, you know, being in Arizona puts you close to the store.
2: (laughs) Put you very, all you got to do is get in a car, you go uh, west a little bit, then you go south. (laughs) That's a, a big, big store.
3: So do you think they are in the no matter what, are they in the wide receiver market is or is it, you know, Myers is first option. Then they add to it. Is it they need a number one? So they're looking for T Higgins or OBJ or whoever you want to sell out there. How do you how do you think they're prioritizing the wide receiver uh, process this offseason?
2: Well, uh, that will we'll figure that out after I ask you my final either or Andy. And here we go. Would you rather have free agent wide receiver and arguably terrific human being Odell Beckham Jr.? I hear he's a blast on a cross-country flight. Or would you rather trade possibly to another cap-stricken team? Let's imagine it's likely going to cost you uh, a second round pick. Mike Evans, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're $55 million over the cap, and they may have to make some difficult decisions. The guy can still get after it. The guy can still get deep. The guy still has that height and he, all he does when targeted appropriately, except of course, against Carolina last year is catch touchdowns. Hmm.
3: I don't really does want, he have yeah. a
2: victory lap season or two in him?
3: He may have one. Now his Daniel Graham, like stone hands could prevent that. Cause every mm. time I watched Tom Brady, throw him the ball this year, he seemed to be dropping it. Everything um, about it was all off the season. It, it certainly felt that way. Uh, I don't really love the Mike Evans idea. So I guess I'd go OBJ in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mike Evans might be getting to the uh, Dunsky, Christian Fourier land of his career. Oh. Maybe one more shot in him. Um, but I, I think he and Keenan Allen are both closer to Dunsky than they are to being productive for. Wow. Yeah. So,
2: Mike Evans is a one, two, three, four, five, six, nine-year NFL veteran. This would be his tenth season coming up. They were all spent in Tampa Bay. He matriculated his way into the league in 2014. This past season, 77 receptions, 1124 yards, six touchdowns. His greatest season, one would argue, uh, 2018, 86 catches, 1500 yards, eight touchdowns. Though he did peak hmm. with 14 touchdowns last year on the 2021 Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
3: Yeah, I, no, I, he's he's had a great career. He's probably mm-hmm. a Hall of Fame receiver. Um, I just think he is on the other side of the hill. I think he is what, over the hill. Um, worth a
2: little capital to maybe kick the can at getting a big outside threat who could stretch the offense a little bit, even for a year or two?
3: Not really, because that feels like an old Patriots move. Hmm. You're not the old Patriots. I need the transformational foundational move. I need the T Higgins. I need the draft a guy and have him for the next five to seven years. If this were 2000, whatever, 10, and I want Mm -hmm. to add a veteran receiver who could Uh put me over the top and put me in the Super Bowl and pair him with Brady and do all that, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of Mike Evans or maybe a Keenan Allen, Mm -hmm. certainly a D hop. But I'm looking for. The guy I pair up with Mac Jones, assuming Mm -hmm. Mac Jones is still the guy, um, the guy I pair up with Mac Jones for the foreseeable future as as like, you know, they're doing sit downs together and heading into the AFC title game. Hey, Mac, how great was it when T Higgins arrived and how much help was that to you? Blah, blah, blah. Like those types of stories. Um, So, yeah, I would go on the younger and it's going to cost you more. But
2: I know. But what about that? What about insert name of giant foundation tackle here that you could grab or yeah. insert name of long, lanky cornerback who may ultimately have to replace John Jones, a guy that I wrote about on Monday for weei.com, who said he hopes to resign and finish his career with the New England Patriots. But this is his first big foray into free agency. And after the solid season he had. Switching from slot or nickel corner, however you choose to describe him, to the outside, halfway through camp, no less, and ended and playing pretty well on the outside. Hell, the, I forgot about the fact that he had to switch to safety in Super Bowl 53 as well and did a pretty good job. Like John Jones's versatility in his leadership, community leader. He's, uh, what was it, the Allen Camp uh, Community Leader Award. He's a finalist. There are five total in the NFL. Like guys like that don't grow on trees. These are the guys especially with the, like you said, the loss of leadership. You're going to likely lose Slater. Devin McCourty will probably be making his way into the media. You need guys who have won Super Bowls, and you need locker room leaders to stay. So guys like John Jones should be prioritized. Uh, Guys like Jacoby Myers should be held on to as well. And yes, I agree with you. In a perfect world, Andy, if it just wasn't going to cost the 14th overall pick, T. Higgins would be my number one choice. But I'm looking at contribution versus value. And that's just such a big, that's such a valuable pick. Like you could do so much with the 14th overall pick Hell, They might even be able to spin it into a later first, still get somebody they want and get a second out of it as well.
3: Hmm. Or they could blow it on like a tackle out of uh, Georgia or a running back out of Georgia or a wide receiver out of Arizona state. Ah, there's Andy.
2: Ah, there's (laughs) the old, there's the old Andy. I knew he had to rear his head at some point or another. (laughs) I knew. And I, and, and to answer your question before we wrap it up, um, I, wait, I have a question. Yeah, I I wanted to say I do think they will prioritize the receiver position. I do think they believe, since there are a number of voices in the room that say they need to get faster, they need to get more explosive, and they need to take the top off the defense and spread things out for the offense Bill O'Brien brings back in. I do think either via draft, free agency trade, one, two, or three, either or. uh, Of any of those means, they'll prioritize it. Uh, My best guess for Keenan Allen, he gets wildly overpaid to go to the Baltimore Ravens, who are the most desperate team for a free agent receiver. And if not the Ravens, because they might be strapped with the Lamar Jackson uh, franchise tag, watch out for the Chicago Bears to say, yeah, we need a steady-handed receiver for Justin Fields in his third year, and we have the most cap room. So here's four years, eight, like a Christian kirk size deal. I, that wouldn't surprise me.
3: Yeah, I think that's where Myers is going to end up. I think there's a no, potential for Kobe. No, Myers. No,
2: no, 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 damn it, no!
3: I'm not ready for that conversation. Well, that's why if I were the Patriots, I would try to get that locked up now. Asa Mfsp. Before, the Bears MFP. Are before we right. start the legalized tampering, the illegal tampering, or any said form Just of tampering, Oh, do it, is now, getting do
2: it now. now! Come on, Patriots, sign them. He's here. All right, so, your question, and then we wrap.
3: Yeah. So while you were uh, enjoying Disney and leaving me alone by myself to do mm-hmm. Weei Football Sunday. Um, I was working hard, and I had a whole show planned out, and then a topic popped up that I just didn't see coming, which is why I love the beauty of live radio. And that topic was Patriots need to get Baker Mayfield to compete with Mac. And I thought it was like, oh, one caller, and then the text line lit up. I agree, I agree. And then the text line started offering other quarterbacks that they should bring in, because it seemed like more than 50% of the audience believed they need to bring in, competition for Mac, a veteran quarterback. There was Jacoby Brissett mentioned. There was Sam Darnold mentioned. There was Zach Wilson mentioned. Baker was the highest on the list, um, which I found interesting. A, do you think the idea that Mac needs a relative big name or an experienced competitor brought in and B, would you bring in Baker Mayfield to compete with Mac? Uh,
2: I do not believe Mac Jones needs a big veteran name to come in and push him in the building. Uh, They already brought in a big name to push him in the building, and that's Bill O'Brien. I think Mac Jones is going to respond so favorably, at least in this first season, to having a competent play caller and somebody who he respects, in addition to looking at how sad sack his 2022 was, that the want to not recapture the love of Pats Nation, But the want to actually get back to where he was in 2021 and beyond, knowing, as you've mentioned many times, that a lucrative payday could be within his grasp if he has a kick-ass season, that's what's going to be pushing him from behind. He should be running his own race. He shouldn't be worried about beating out Sam Darnold or beating Baker Mayfield out of a job. Hell. He's got a quarterback behind him last year who played two and three quarters excellent games, who the fans absolutely loved, who came with nicknames aplenty, who, if Mac Jones gets injured, falters or shits the bed, very well likely could take the job. That's one of my favorite expressions. I won't apologize for it. It I gave myself the green light to swear there, and I'm okay with it. It Seemed unnecessary. I felt it felt natural. It was totally organic. Yeah. So I don't, I do not believe that you need to bring in someone to push him. Would I bring in Baker Mayfield only if there was an injury to Mac Jones? If there were an injury to Mac Jones, something, I won't say catastrophic, but significant enough this offseason, heavens forbid, then I would consider it. But what I now?
3: No. So I think 2023, a lot like we've talked about for two plus years, now in a different way is all about Mac Jones. You have to make a decision. Is he your mm-hmm. quarterback? Is he the mm-hmm. guy for the future? You're going to have to make fifth-year option decisions down the road. All those types of things. I believe if you bring in another big-name quarterback, it's like leading the witness. You've already kind of made the decision. You've Mm -hmm. lost faith in Mac and you're like preparing a a true competition. So I would not do that if also I had to or thought I needed to. Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, multi-city failures, would not be on my list. You (laughs) might, nor would Jacoby Brissett, who is what he is at this Uh point in his career. That's the beauty of a middling veteran, bottom 10 in the league quarterback. Um, The one you could sell me on, and this may surprise people. Go for it. Zach Wilson, like the ridiculous oh, arm talent, number woof. two pick in the draft. If Bill O'Brien can fix him, maybe you have upside there. Again, I wouldn't sign anybody. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, well, you should have a uh, a guy who started games in the league ready to go. Well, you got two, Brian Hoyer and, and Bailey Zappi. They both started and won football games in the National Football League. You have Correct. them ready to go. That's enough competition. I'm with you. Bill O'Brien is the story. Bill O'Brien in the Mac pairing is the story. That's what's going to push and fix and mold Mac. But if you had to absolutely tell me, okay, no, we need to sign somebody. We believe we have to. I don't want, I mean, Baker Mayfield sucked in Carolina. And then he, he was only, he was available. That's why the Rams took him. They were in. He was
2: intermittently good for the Rams.
3: Oh yeah. He's a tease. He has throws and plays where I say this when he does one of those five-step drops and then just fires to a guy down the seam, it looks pretty. It looks like there's a nice pass. Yeah. And then most of the rest of the time, you're like, this guy sucks. (laughs) This guy blows. Like. So I wouldn't want Sam Darnold, Jacoby Brissett, Baker Mayfield. Really, the only guys you could sell me on would be Wilson for pure upside. We're, we're scratching the lottery ticket. And you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. There's a couple sevens already scratched off. Is there another seven right there that that would. And then the obvious one is Jimmy Garoppolo because Bill's affinity for Jimmy and Jimmy's experience. And I think you could you know win some games i guess but i don't even like i want mac i want mac for a full year because i want to do a podcast next january and say in definitive terms give mac 200 million dollars or give mac a swift kick in the ass and tell him to get the hell out give him
2: liberty or uh, or in this case 200 million dollars or give him death in that case not giving him his fifth year option and letting him make his merry way elsewhere and i think he's going to get that money because if they surround, they already started surrounding them with the right coaches. And we'll see if they surround them with the right talent. This is the make or break season. Finally, we're going to get we're going to get the 2022 we were promised or we hoped for. It's just going to arrive a day late. You know, sometimes there's weather delays when you order an Amazon Prime package. And you maybe you, you missed getting a gift on the holiday to give to somebody. But you still give it a little bit late. And you still appreciate it. And you try to get over the frustration of the fact that it didn't arrive on time. Am I right or am I right? I'm right. You're
3: right. And sometimes it's delayed by like 10 days. And then before you get to 10 days, like five days in, it says arriving early tomorrow. And you're like, "Ooh, it went from 10 days to six days. So now I'm happy. That's what I'm looking for from Mac. I can't just have the 2022 I expected. It needs to be the 2022 I expected and then some because... No fault of his own. They wasted a year. He's behind the gun. He needs to pick. He needs to make up time somewhere. So let's go, Billy. O. let's go, Mac.
2: I have no idea who I would wish Zach Wilson upon. And as you were discussing moments ago, Andy, I just rifled through all 32 teams or the 31 other teams in the NFL. I can't tell you, honestly, where the best landing spot for Zach Wilson is at this point, where he could go and sit back for a year and study under an experienced quarterback. Maybe, maybe a place like Dallas, where maybe Jack... Uh, Minnesota, okay, Minnesota. Oh, and by the way, sneaky great hire for the Vikings. Brian oh, Flores, yeah, defensive sneaky, coordinator. No, I
3: think that's a great hire. You have an offensive head coach, and now you have a defensive head coach who should mm-hmm. inject very, you know, we saw it here, what he can yep. do terms of aggressive play, oh, he'll, he'll change that
2: entire defense. The entire tone and tenor of that defense.
3: TJ Hawkinson on the field and, and end of game play like he did with Rob Gronkowski, in Miami.
2: Rob Gronkowski at the Miami. Oh, miracle in Miami. Thanks, Ian. I love they already have that. miracles in Minnesota. They don't need to have more.
3: No, you've got they've
2: got plenty in their history as well. Bill O'Brien, the biggest hire in terms of coordinators in the AFC. And now Brian Flores, defensive coordinator for the Vikings. Huge hire indeed. Thanks, folks, for tuning in to another fabulous episode of Six Rings and Football Things with your old pals Fitzy and Hart at Fitzy Gfy at Jumbo Hart. Tell your friends, rate, review, subscribe, and share. We really do appreciate you guys being a part of this growing, dynamic online Patriots community. Until next time, we will talk to you in just a couple days. This is Six Rings and Football Things signing off. Good day. God bless. And as always, go Pets. See you.